Thanks for tuning in to the Newborn Promise Podcast, a production of Graham Blanchard Incorporated. This is our adoption story here and abroad with Erica Ho. For today's show notes, transcript, and more information about your Newborn Promise project, please visit GrahamBlanchard.com. Well, hello to all of our listeners out there. I am Audra Haney, and this is such an exciting day. This is our second episode, and we are diving into our first guest interview on adoption with Erica Ho. And we do know that we are in the infant stages of our podcasting, so it is such an honor to have you here and tuning in so early. We spoke in detail about this in episode one, so please go back and catch that if you missed it. It's really our background and information on what your newborn promise project really is. Um, But when we were in the beginning stages of writing our pre-baby primer for husband and wife that we called your newborn promise project, we were really struck and we were keenly aware of how the story of each family is just uniquely different. God's creation of life and His design of family, while as natural as can be, is anything but commonplace. It's intentional. Each unit is intricately woven together, fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's sometimes mysteriously flanked with twists and turns and pain, with waiting, with loss, and with grief. And those are some of the things we want to cover in this first series called Building Your Family. Sometimes building your family involves unexpected calling. In the next few episodes, we want to pause and honor families whose story may involve adoption. And while adoption is a beautiful spiritual concept, it may very well be the blueprint God wants to use in building your earthly family. So whether you're looking into adoption or looking to support someone walking through the process, we think you will love our interview with Erica Ho. Erica not only works for the nonprofit One Orphan and has an extensive professional background in orphan care, but she is also the mom of four, two biological and two internationally adopted children. She has so much wisdom and so much insight, but more than anything, she has what we believe is God's compassion and heart for the orphan. And so we are excited to bring you this extremely rich interview with Erica Ho. Erica, thank you so much for joining us today and and sharing your story with us. Thank you. It's so good to be here. I know you have a lot of great stuff to share with us today, so we're going to just dive right in. You are so passionate about the cause of the orphan. How did God initially spark that passion in you? God began speaking in my heart before I really even knew um, what an orphan truly was, um, you know, or what what it even looked like to go to another country or to see kids in foster care. Um, God truly began speaking to my heart when, um, I was really young, you know, maybe 10 or 11 years old. Um, and I actually started dreaming about, you know, someday adopting children, um, and didn't really understand all of that until, um, I was an older teenager and, um, began to participate in mission trips and kind of see a world outside of my own. So after all those years of dreaming about adoption and being involved with 
different adoption efforts. How did God begin to specifically speak to you and Calvin about your own adoption journey? We really felt God prompting us to grow our family through adoption after we had two biological children very close together. Our first two children are just 18 months apart. Um, And we definitely experienced some loss um, in the early years of our marriage, um, losing two babies um, while I was pregnant, two miscarriages. And that may not necessarily be what prompted us to seek the adoption path, but it just solidified in us how precious life is and um, how intentional God is when he creates life. Um, and so after, after having two children, um, biologically, we really started seeking God in, you know, what is next for our family? How is this adoption path going to look for us? Um, and we really began to move on that pretty quickly because um, God just continued to um, impress upon us that we were not to have any more children biologically, but we were to pursue our family um, through adoption. Um, and we we both sought God in prayer, and um, He just continued to confirm those thoughts in our minds uh, through other people and through different circumstances. Um, so it was really a sweet time of just pursuing God and um, having Him answer those questions. And even though you guys had that overwhelming confirmation that adoption was right for you, did you also have any specific fears? We definitely did. Um, You know, we were parenting two babies at the time, you know, a a two-year-old and a six-month-old when we first started to fill out adoption paperwork. Um, And we were very open, you know, to whatever age child God wanted to bring into our family, Um, We were open to different needs, Um, but at the same time, we would question ourselves thinking, you know, we only know how to parent babies right now, and we're really exhausted right now. Um, You know, those first few years of life are, you know, you don't get very much sleep. So um, in the middle of exhaustion, we definitely questioned ourselves and our call as, as to were we equipped and were we ready to start parenting more children. And how did God help you overcome those fears as you went through the application process and even all the way up to the actual adoption? What was really neat is that as we began to say yes, um, even saying yes to a specific country, which was Ethiopia, our um, our first adoption process was in Ethiopia. Um, we had just moved from New Orleans to the Nashville area. And in New Orleans, we didn't know anyone who was adopting. We didn't know anyone from Ethiopia. Um, but just through a series of events, God had led us to cho- to choose Ethiopia as the country we would um, adopt from. And immediately, I began to meet people um, that had been through that process and um, just eased a lot of my fears. And it was just amazing the timing. You know, we had said yes not knowing anyone who had gone through this before and immediately began to meet people um, who would speak truth into our life and ease a lot of the fears that we had pretty quickly. You know, and on the flip side of that, did you guys encounter any maybe misconceptions along the way? And how did you guys really process that? 
We definitely did. Um, and we we didn't necessarily encounter people that had a lot of issues with, um, you know, the race of our child, but they did have some issues with us um, parenting a child who was a different race than us, if that makes sense. Um, and people would caution us um, that maybe we weren't making a wise decision to parent a child um, who has a different skin color and culture from us. And they would ask a lot of really strange and discouraging questions um, at times. And um, God just continued to surround us and equip us um, with people of different cultural backgrounds um, who really spoke truth into that and reminded us that, you know, it wasn't it wasn't imperative that we be exactly the same as our son to be good parents to him and that God would fill in those gaps if we were sensitive to our son's culture and, you know, made, made strides and steps to understand his culture and incorporate it into our parenting. Um, so we definitely did face a lot of discouragement from people, um, one, based on, you know, making a change culturally with our family um, and also people were very concerned about finances um, and even people discouraged us from adopting internationally, which I found really interesting and I didn't expect. Um, a lot of people questioned why we would go somewhere else um, when there are children here who need homes. Um, and so we would continually affirm that, yes, there's children who need homes here, but we have to go where we're called. Um, and God was just gracious in that and giving us words um, to explain that to them, but also the understanding of their concerns as well. You know, I think especially for couples just starting out, there are so many options when it comes to adoption. So how did you and Calvin really hone in on what was right for your family? And how did God continue to confirm that along the way? We um, we were very drawn to the idea of international adoption. Um, for one, it had been something that was always on my mind. Um, I have a missions background and um, have always felt called to the nations and, you know, to go out. And so the idea of having a rich cultural heritage in my family um, was just a beautiful idea to me and something that I embraced. Um, my husband is also Chinese. So, you know, I think... I think just the makeup of our family and the influences that we have on our family definitely caused us to look globally first. Um, additionally, um, just my connection to Africa drew us to Ethiopia, and we were also of the right age and demographic to adopt from Ethiopia. So that's something that plays into it as well. When families begin to look at what country or program might be right for them, um, different countries have different age restrictions. Um, they allow certain family sizes and certain income levels to adopt. And so once we kind of filtered through all of those requirements and narrowed down in the places that we felt that God had moved in our heart toward, um, we were able to pick a program that was right for our family. I think that is so great. And you guys, tell me about your family today, because 
You guys have grown since your first adoption with Liam. Um, Tell me about your decision to keep growing your family in this way. When we brought Liam home, he was about seven months old um, and pretty medically fragile, but rebounded very quickly. Um, He was such a tough little guy. And our experience bringing him home was one of the most beautiful experiences, you know, that I can recall. Um, It was hard and it was difficult, but it was just beautiful and just full of God's redemption and grace um, for for our entire family. Um, We got home and we thought, we have to do this again. You know, there's more children waiting Um, We saw firsthand, you know, what it's like to wait in an orphanage. And although there's a lot of people there caring for those children and loving on them, um, it is just not the same as being in a family unit. Um, And so we immediately filled out paperwork again um, and started the process to adopt from China. And this time we just wanted to be as open as possible to whatever God would lead us to Um, And so we pursued a waiting child special needs adoption through China, and we saw our daughter's picture when she was five and a half, and um, she's blind, and we had no idea what we were doing, but uh, when we saw her picture, God spoke to our heart in such a huge, confirming way um, that we said yes very quickly. And so just four months after Liam coming home, we started pursuing our daughter and brought her home 11 months later. So now we have four kiddos in the home. And your family is so beautiful. And today with the addition of little Lola, um, and your story is very unique because you intentionally pursued a special needs adoption. Speak to that for me a little bit and uh, maybe to couples who might be considering a special needs path. Um, the idea of a special needs waiting child adoption um, was completely foreign to us. Um, we don't have firsthand, or we didn't, we do now, um, we don't have a lot of we didn't have a lot of firsthand experience with any children who had disabilities or special needs of any sort. Um, And so we always kind of joke that we went into it blindly uh, with our, with our blind daughter. Um, And so we just started learning all that we could about, um, you know, what to expect with her condition and, Um, With China, you get information, but you don't get the full picture a lot of times until you bring your child home and take them to specialists and things like that. Um, So we prepared and we did everything that we could to get ready, um, but, you know, never could have been truly prepared for what it would be like to begin raising her and begin parenting her. And what we found is that um, special needs is such a, you know, it's, it's a category, it's a label, um, and it's not who the child really is. Um, And we've just found in Loa, a little girl who is created so uniquely and so beautifully by God um, that there's nothing that we would want to change about her. And there's definitely challenges and differences to raising a child who um, experiences the world a lot differently. Um, On top of her blindness, she has ADHD and some sensory processing disorders, but The child that we brought home three years ago 
is not the little girl that we have in our home today. Um, the world has just opened up for her and with the help of, you know, services at school and Braille, um, she is just a flourishing little girl who has the entire world in front of her. Mm, I love that. And let's go back a little bit because with every adoption, there seems to be a hard waiting period with most adoptions at least. And tell me about just that waiting period, what that was like for you and maybe for couples who are in a hard waiting period, just how God encouraged your heart during that time. Oh yes. Waiting is (laughs) one of the most difficult parts of the journey, um, especially while you're in the wait. Um, You know, it seems like the most difficult part and then you come home and you realize what the most difficult part really is. But um, waiting is so hard on the heart. our Ethiopian process uh, took place at a time when um, both the U.S. government and the Ethiopian government decided to change the format and the requirement for how the process was done. Um, and this was good because it made a more ethical process in Ethiopia, which is you know, one of the most important things is to have ethical representation when you're adopting internationally. But that took us from expecting to receive our son's referral in you know just six months to it taking almost three years from the time when we decided to start that process. And so it was just months after months of checking email all the time and calling our family coordinator and just aching to be able to see his face and know who this little boy was that we were pursuing. Um, and that was such a refining time in our lives. Um, God taught us so much about preparation and waiting on him and his timing um, and having our son home now and seeing, you know, for the past four years, just how he has completed our family and what a gift he is to us. Um, Had we ever wanted to rush that or, you know, do anything to go against that plan that God had set in motion, um, just how we could have missed out on the gift of our son. Um, now with Lola, the wait was very, very short, and um, we went through that process like rapid fire. But at the same time, you know, once everything was done and we were just waiting for travel, um, there was so much. There was a lot of fear of the unknown, you know, in those three to four months that we were waiting to travel. Um, but again, God used that time to help us educate ourselves and prepare ourselves to parent a child um, that we felt very you know, under-equipped to parent, um, and God just used that time to send some wonderful people into our lives that spoke truth and, and helped us prepare to parent her well. You know, and obviously the need for great faith and uh, leaning on the Lord doesn't stop when you have your child home. So tell me, what are maybe some of the um, challenging, unique challenging things that you faced as a family, and how has your faith and your relationship with the Lord really seen you through those things? I tell people all the time that um, without the Lord's constant uh, involvement in my heart and life, um, I probably would have given up parenting a few days ago or a few years ago. Um, It was very, very difficult when um, our daughter Lola came home from China. Um, She was five and a half, and she just really had no idea 
what it was going to be like to come into a family. Um, and she faced many challenges, you know, not really being able to see what was happening as she was leaving and just really being kind of overwhelmed by all of these new sensations without being able to fully embrace them. Um, and so we, we've honestly, for a time, probably about a year and a half, went into a tailspin as a family um, while she processed through these different emotions. And um, we had a lot of very, very difficult days with her um, not handling things well emotionally and having some rages and just different things that were completely normal for what she was going through. But were very difficult for us to deal with as a family with several young children. And, you know, it got again, continued to send people into our lives who'd had similar experiences that could speak to us and remind us that, you know, there were tools to help us and to help her. And so we, we did a lot of TBRI techniques with her and, um, there were times when I would just go to her bed at night and just pray over her while she slept and just watch her while she slept. And God would speak to me in those moments and just remind me that he did, He doesn't make mistakes and that he created Lola and he created me and he created me to be her mother. And although we weren't getting a very traditional start to that relationship, that he was going to honor that. Um, and God has just been so good after you know, after about a year and a half, things began to settle down in our house. And a lot of the things that we were doing for Lola with therapy really began to pay off. Um, and we saw her just really transform. And she does struggle. The struggle is not over, um, but she does well. And she goes to school and she is a joy at home. And we have truly begun to see her and who God created her to be. Um, so yes, there is there is a lot of struggle, and you know, a lot of times it just depends on the situation. But um, we continually see in our situation and many others um, that when you seek God and you seek His will and you pray without ceasing, um, that He will be faithful to meet you in those very difficult and dark places. And Erica, you had shared with me that one of your favorite verses is in Isaiah 58, 6 through 9, and really just not as an adoptive mom, but as a mom in general, um, you just mentioned that it was very encouraging to you. So tell me why that verse is um, special to you and just the significance that it has for your family. It says, if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will shine like the noonday. Um, I know that's kind of a weird parenting verse, but for us, um, with the path that we chose, um, and going to our children, um, it has brought so much light into our family and into our life. Um, and there's just so much joy in uh, that. The part that says that your light will shine like the new day is such something that I have clung to as far as emptying myself over and over every single day does not leave me depleted. Um, but it does give me joy because of what the Lord has poured into me. Um, and it's a reminder for me also to be in the word and to be filling myself with those things so that I have, you know, that light and that, um, ability to be a light at the end of the day after feeling quite depleted from parenting. 
um, these many special circumstances in my home. You are listening to the Newborn Promise Podcast, a production of Graham Blanchard Incorporated. And today we're talking with Erica Ho about both her professional and personal experience with adoption. Erica currently works with One Orphan, a division of America World Adoption Association. Erica, tell us about your role with One Orphan. So I, I started working for One Orphan about a year and a half ago um, after working in orphan care, many other places. And one of the things that I love about what we do is that we take teams um, overseas and we give them a chance to get to know these kids and advocate for the needs of the staff and the children there. Um, There's a lot of controversy over sending teams to orphanages Um, But I've always felt that we do this in a really appropriate and respectful way and work with the staff um, in an effort to truly impact the kids' lives and the lives of the staff members. Um, So truly, one of my most favorite things is to take these teams to open their eyes and allow them to come back here and share what's on their heart with their circles of influence, which enables us to advocate for children who are waiting for a home, um, advocate for, for different needs of the orphanages, and allow people a chance who maybe are not called to adoption to plug in to these children's lives in a different way, maybe through sponsorship or some other kind of um, financial contribution. You know, I think logistically and unfortunately, a lot of people are just overwhelmed by the cost, whether that's the cost of a short-term trip or maybe even the massive cost of bringing a child home. Um, How would you speak to this, just the idea of finances and how have you seen God provide along the way? Oh my goodness. I have this finance conversation, I think on a daily basis now. Um, And my my first response is always, Hey, we adopted twice, back to back, um, being on one income at the time, um, also buying a house, you know, just a lot of different life stages were going on uh, when we brought our two children home. And we were on one income for a time, on a ministry income at that. But people really surrounded us and supported us in our call. And I think that that's a really important thing for people to know who are considering adoption or who know people who are planning to adopt is that it it's extremely expensive and it's unfortunate, but there's a lot of different government agencies and processes and legalities involved that make the process kind of expensive. And so we can all support each other in the effort to bring a child home. Um, And so it's important for people to know that they're not alone in that, and it's okay for them to ask for support and to fundraise, and and God is faithful in that, and He provides um, in the most unexpected ways. Um, And for people who know people that are adopting, it's important for them to know that that's a way that they can impact a child's life, is through supporting that family who is adopting. Um, The people that supported us during our processes are some of the most precious people to us. And when they see our family complete, um, it's just such a beautiful thing to know that that's just God's reminder to them of the part that they played in each of our children's lives. 
Um, and additionally, you know, there's there's other financial ways to plug in for people who may not know someone who's adopting or, um, you know, wants to just make a commitment to a child that's not an adoption commitment. Um, there's great there's great organizations that do sponsorships and such. Uh, we do sponsorships. And that allows people to have a relationship with a child through sponsorship um, and also just greatly improve that child's quality of life. Those are some really powerful points. And just to close out our time, please just speak to that couple or that person. Maybe they've really been praying, is adoption right for me? What would you say to them and how would you encourage them based on your experience? I believe that most people who seriously consider adoption um, are receiving some kind of call or some kind of nudge from God. Um, Serious consideration most of the time uh, will lead you to action. And so I would say continue taking those steps forward and don't let fear of finances or being ill-equipped ever stop you from continuing that momentum forward. Um, There are amazing kids who might be the final puzzle piece to your family out there waiting. And they may not look exactly like you imagine them or what you imagine for your family. Um, But just prayerfully consider what God might have for your family and the surprises and wonder that might await for you. Um, I never want to over romanticize the adoption process. It is very difficult. Um, But God has shown us his heart through adoption. He has shown us how big he can be and how much room he has and how big his arms are to hold you during each step of that process. Well, that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us. And please tune in next week as we discuss open and domestic adoption and hear stories from couples who've been through the process. And just as a reminder, you can get today's show notes, Erica's bio, and related links at grahamblanchard.com.